really thankful to have Greg Pruitt, who is the president of Pioneer Bible Translators, with us this weekend. Shared a great message last night. I know it's going to bless you today. Uh, I have uh, enjoyed getting to know Greg and find him to be a man of, uh, of great faith, a man of prayer, a man of uh, conviction, and God is using the ministry of Pioneer Bible Translators to change the world. Greg and his wife, Rebecca, have been married for 33 years. They have two daughters, and they have one son. He's been the president of PBT since 2000. Seven. Let's give him a really warm Mount Pleasant welcome as he comes to share with us today. Thank you. Good morning. Does that sound like a long time, 2007? Sometimes it's hard to believe. Y'all, I cannot believe it's such a pleasure to be here with you this morning. <clears throat> you don't realize maybe being here every Sunday how not only generous this church is, but how creative this church is at expressing the values of the kingdom of Jesus in your community and around the world. And I'm just here to talk about one of those things. Uh, but you guys are amazing. And uh, my wife and I lived among the Yalunka people, and we were part of a team that translated the entire Yalunka Bible into their language. Uh, we recorded a dramatized audio version of the whole New Testament, and we produced these uh, solar-powered devices in case somebody doesn't have electricity or they can't read. Uh, you can find the Yalunka Bible on your YouVersion app, or you can get on the Jesus Film Media and download the Jesus video with Jesus speaking Yalunka. Now, basically, Jesus speaks Yalunka fluently. <laughs> At uh, Pioneer Bible Translators, we translate the Bible into these other languages because language barriers are the greatest obstacle to teaching somebody how to follow Jesus in the world. And I ought to know, because I have made legendary, epic language mistakes in multiple other languages. Like one, our original translation taught that John the Baptist's soul would leave his body at night, consuming the souls of other people. <laughs> but we fixed that part. <laughs> and one time in France, I was talking to people at church and I told them that my wife is a prostitute. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was bad. And, uh, and then one Yalunka sermon, I mean, I really hit it with all I had. I really wanted to make this third point big and I kind of messed it up and I just yelled, Jesus is the thing that peels our heads wasn't really a J Billy Graham moment. You know, it was like, <laughs> nothing changes gospel into gibberish like language barriers. And so that's why when Jesus sent us out to make disciples of all nations, he made language a very big deal for us. Jesus loves you, and he trusts you enough to give you an awesome mission. <clears throat> when Jesus sent us to make disciples of all nations, that included my friend Lai. Okay, so my friend Lai had problems. 
You know, he had uh, epilepsy that had gotten to the point where the witch doctors had kind of surrounded him and tried to treat him with all these different demonic treatments, and he had become so demon-possessed that, you know, he, he just became a raving menace in the village, and it took people to hold him down. They had to tie him down sometimes, and he said he got to the point where he couldn't see human skin without trying to snap and bite it. And uh, he said that at a certain point, he had got to the point where the, the, the sorcerers in the village had closed his throat and he couldn't make any water or any food go down his throat for 12 days. And the village just got to the point where they were just waiting for him to finally stop screaming and die. And I was over in my you know, village home a few miles away from there, and we had been preaching through a sermon series on how Jesus gives us the power and authority over demons and how you know, we can pray for healing. And people had started to come to our village from miles around for healing. And uh, I was up in the water tower at my house cleaning all the algae out of my water tower. And uh, the, one of the preachers came to the bottom of the water tower and he said, listen, I was just over three miles over this way at that other village where my childhood buddy, Lai, was laying there screaming and demon possessed. And when I walked into the room, he said, Jesus Christ has come to heal me and save me. And so I want to go over there with your car, pick him up and bring him here and let's treat him. And so I said, sure. They took four strong farmer men to go hold this guy down so he didn't kick the windows out of my Land Cruiser. And they put him, they loaded him up in the Land Cruiser. They brought him to the hut next to the village, I mean, next to the church in, and, uh, in our village. And they began to pray for him. And as they started to pray for him, he said, you know what? I feel better now. Uh, Y'all can let me go now. They said, no way. <laughs> he said, no, really, seriously, I'm fine now. And they said, well, if you're really okay, would you be able to eat something? And he said, yes, I think I could eat something. And when I got down there to pray for this man, they were shoveling rice into his mouth. Like I have never seen anybody eat in my life. He was drinking gallons of water. I mean, just absolutely famished. And this guy got better and he regained his strength and of course, he became a follower of Jesus and he joined the church. And uh, one Sunday, to celebrate his recovery, we decided that the whole, all the men of the church were gonna go back to his home village and go hunting for monkeys. Because in West Africa, that's how we roll. And so we all went over to his home village and it was incredible. When this man got out of that vehicle and all of the people who had seen him leave gathered around, they were whispering, they're pointing, they're talking, and you can see on their face, you know, the last time they saw this guy, he was snarling. He was, he was out of his mind. And now he's regained his strength and he's going hunting and he's in his right mind and everybody, on every face, I saw the same question. Who in the world is this Jesus whose word has such power to transform lives? 
And this man's wife told me, she said, I began following Jesus because he's done a miracle for me. When I came, I was anxious. I was running around. But today, praise God, we don't go to diviners. We don't worship idols. We don't have magic medicines. We content ourselves with God and we have peace. Your mission is to bring good news to the poor. Because Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The mission of Jesus has always been about preaching great news to the poor. But Jesus sent Rebecca and me to a, a place where the poor did not have the word of God at all. They didn't have scripture. You know, most Americans think that surely in this day and age of the internet and cell phones, everyone has already had the opportunity to hear about Jesus, but it's just not true. You know, there's still huge blank places on the map. And we know in Pioneer Bible Translators because that's where we live. You know, where I was there, there was, you know, out of 70,000 Muslims on our side of the border, there was just this one church of 40 people. And then the next ethnic group over, there was, you know, 3 million Muslims and you could put all of the Christians into a minivan and drive away. And on the other side of us, another ethnic group of four million Muslims and only about 100 Christians. You know, there are still a billion people in the world right now that don't have the full New Testament translated into their language. And there's still 165 million people speaking nearly 2,000 languages that don't, that don't have any scripture in their language and they need a Bible translation project to start right now. And about 900 of those also don't have a church in their language community. You know, how in the world would you have hope? How would you receive Jesus in a place like that? So how do you bring good news to a place like that? You know, uh, my wife and I, let me just tell you a little bit how we did it. So since we were going to West Africa, first, we had to go over to, West, to, to France and learn French, and we would go from bakery to bakery, riding our bicycles, learning French at great personal sacrifice. <laughs> <clears throat> then we, we went over to, Fran to, to Guinea, West Africa, and we uh, found a guy among the Yalunka who spoke French really well, and we said, hey, how do you say what is this? And he said, Nanseitura. All right, say it with me this time. Nanseitura. Some of you guys could probably do this. All right. So then we go around the village and we're collecting nouns, right? So we like go up to a dog. Nanseitura. And they say, Bare nanara. We're like, okay, bare nanara. I'm hoping for dog in there. And you know, we, we go up to a house and we say, Nanseitura. And they say, Bankin nanafana. And you're like, bank. Bang king. How do you spell k? 
You know, and then two years later, we could preach. So uh, there was one lady in the village who was so elderly, all she could do was sit around and give me sentences and teach me the most important things to a Yalunka grandmother. She taught me the most beautiful lullabies, you know, the sweetest lullabies. I could repeat them all right now to you. And uh, she also taught me words like, I'm going to beat you till you pee. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> she, she taught me, you know, all these expressions like, even if Jesus comes down, I'm still going to beat you. Because, you know, the, the, the um, Yolunka Muslims teach that Jesus is coming again. And every little Yolunka kid, you know, right before they get their behinds beaten, they're just thinking, I don't know who this Jesus is. But I hope he comes in time to save my rear. <clears throat> so then, you know, after we learned the language, we developed an alphabet to write that language. And we had to create literature, literacy materials, like kind of like hooked on phonics to teach people how to read that writing system in their own language. Uh, and we uh, put together a team of people that would draft the, the Bible. They would be looking at the French and making the first draft into the Yolunka language. And then we would uh, check it and compare it to the Greek or the Hebrew text to just make absolutely sure that it means what it's supposed to mean. And then when, when we got it just perfect, we would take it out into the community to make sure they understood it the way we expected them to. So like one, uh, one friend of mine was translating the book of Genesis and he got to that verse where God created the creeping crawling animals. You remember that verse? All right, so, you know, he's, he's trying to explain it. He says, listen, you know, he, he created the animals that are on the ground. You know, the animals that are on the ground. And when they, you know, tested the, the material to see what it meant to other people, they found out that that meant, and God created the handicapped animals. So you really, you really have to verify what it means, right? So... <clears throat> One day, I was way down on the border with Sierra Leone, and I found a man who had become a believer down there, and I asked this man, how did you become a believer? And he said, well, one day, I was on a trip, and this guy called me over, and he gave me a holy book. He said, I just loved the words of Jesus, because he came for, for the messed up people and not the righteous ones. Because he said he came to make them righteous and put them on God's path. And he said, but you know, my elders, they keep telling me, don't you believe that Jesus message? It's a lie. And I got to thinking about it and I said, you know what? These are the same elders who my entire life told me, even if Jesus comes down, I'm still gonna beat you. They know that Jesus is coming to save us from punishment. And if we have now gotten Jesus' book in our language and we can read it and we can understand it, he said, that's what did it for me. He said, Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. He healed the lame. He raised the dead and he saved them. And Muhammad never did any of that, only Jesus. 
All he got was the book of Luke and it changed his life. Your mission is to transform lives through the power of God's word in their language. So the village of Digila among the Alunka people is a place, an ancient center of, uh, of ancestor worship. And the oldest Yalunka ancestor is buried there and they have a kind of a concrete wall around his tomb. And everyone that comes to worship that ancestor, they bring a round stone and they put it on a pile of round stones. And this stone, this big pile is just getting bigger and bigger as more and more people come to worship that ancestor. And so back in 2005, I went to Digila to hunt for warthogs. And uh, I shot a warthog during that day. And that night, we were going to hunt more in the morning. So we sat down to eat the parts of the warthog that won't keep. And uh, you don't have to really like eating warthog entrails to be a good missionary, but it helps a lot if you do. So that night, these people came up to us and uh, they said, you know, we heard that you were those people that have books about God in our language. And we said, yes, we are. And and, And it happened to be the night where the Muslims celebrate with a big feast the time when Abraham nearly sacrificed his son. And they... For celebrating that moment, they bring a ram. All the families gather, and they get a ram, and they sacrifice that ram, and they have a big feast that night. And this was the night. So we, of course, opened up the the books. You know, we pulled out. We're not really here hunting warthogs. We pulled out boxes of scripture, and we're, we're giving them out the book of Genesis. And we said, let's turn to Genesis 22, and let's read this whole story that you guys are celebrating tonight. And when we got to that place where the angel told Abraham in Genesis 22, verse 18, where it says, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And I asked these guys, where it says all nations, does it mean the Yalunka people too? And they said, you know what? That's gotta mean us too. And I said, you know what, 4,000 years ago, God spoke this prophecy through the angel to Abraham that the Yalunka people would one day be blessed through the offspring, through his offspring, and that man is Jesus Christ. And this story is telling that Jesus Christ would one day come and die for the sins even of the Yalunka people. This story, I'm sitting there, sitting on the hood of my Land Cruiser preaching to a group of people, fulfilling 4,000-year-old prophecy. I said to him, listen, 4,000 years ago, God foretold this would happen. And here it comes to your village with the arrival of these books about God in your language, and it comes to you on the very night that you are feasting and celebrating the occasion where the prophecy was given 4,000 years ago. I don't know what you do 
at your job, but at my job, I fulfill prophecy. I love my job. <clears throat> so we slept in the car that night, and I could hear these men gathered not very far away, late, late into the night. They're reading and talking about the word of God. And uh, every time we would come hunting, they would ask us a bunch of questions. And one man finally said, you know what? I've noticed that when you read these books, it makes you stop fighting with your family. So one day, <clears throat> we were sitting in this village. We were there on another warthog hunting trip. And uh, about 80 people gathered underneath these mango trees to, to listen to the word of God and to talk about the word of God. And about that time, school let out. And this kind of a, kind of a trail of students kind of went to walking by. This one young kid walked by, and I had a box of scripture sitting out. And as he walked by, he looked down in this box of scripture, and I could see on his face, you know, this kid can read. He just got out of school. And he's looking down and reading for the first time in his life something in his own language. So he kind of looks around, see if anybody's watching him. I was watching him, but nobody else. And he picks up one of our kind of scripture pamphlets and he starts opening it up and he's reading it. And he kind of tucks it under one arm and he starts to walk off really slowly. And when he gets about far enough away, he knows nobody can catch him in a foot race. He just takes off as fast as he can. The first theft of the book of Galatians in Yalunka history. And he's just running as fast as he can get, get. And everybody sees that he's running, but nobody's chasing him. So the other kids come up, and they start picking these up. And then the women in the village start picking them up. And they're looking around like, you mean we could have these? And as I'm watching this kid disappearing in the distance, I'm thinking to myself, 2,000 years ago, Jesus sent us to make disciples of all nations. No one should be so starved for scripture that they feel like they have to steal it. Church, that's on us. We're never, ever going to stop as long as there is breath in our lungs. Pioneer Bible Translators and, and Mount Pleasant Christian Church and the Church of Jesus Christ we are going to make sure that everyone, everywhere, has the word of God in their language and they can know this Jesus that has saved us. Because your mission is to multiply churches where no one has heard. A friend of mine named Caliph grew up in Sierra Leone. And when he was growing up, his dad decided that he was going to send him off to a, a school to become a Muslim teacher. But at the last minute, for some reason, he changed his mind and he decided he would send him to get a Western education at a Catholic school instead. So Caliphar goes to this Catholic school and one morning the priest uh, opens up the class with a prayer and when he prayed in Jesus' name, Caliphar was like, what in the world is this? It was the first time that he had ever come to know that there was any such thing as Jesus. And so the poverty in Sierra Leone was so rough that 
Caliphal would lose his mind off and on growing up in this school. And one day, in his mental instability, he heard this voice commanding him over and over again, take up the holy book. Take up the holy book. And so Caliph went to the priest and he asked him for a Bible. And he said he noticed that whenever he would have that Bible, he would be sane and, and whole again. And whenever, for whatever reason, somebody took that Bible away from him, he would lose his mind again. And so he longed to, to know what in the world was in that Bible. But he couldn't know because it was in English. And around this same time, Caliphah became a victim of leprosy and he lost one of his legs. And at the same time as well, uh, the, the blood diamond conflict broke out in Sierra Leone. And uh, this is the, where we get the word conflict diamonds. And these terrorist rebels would just come into a village and they would fire off their guns and capture whoever they could and they would cut off one of their arms as a terrorist tactic. And so when these guys showed up in Caliphah's village, everybody just ran for their lives and Caliphah couldn't run and his family abandoned him there and he was left to crawl from hut to hut, hiding underneath stuff, trying to avoid the notice of these rebels and he said that he, would, uh, he could hear them talking just on the other side of a, <clears throat> of a thicket and that at night, Caliphah would crawl down to the same watering hole where they were getting their water just to get a drink of water. And he was just left in this village to starve and to hide. And finally, his cousin came back looking for him and found him and helped him to kind of hop, hop and you know, he, partway he carried him and partway Caliph had just crawled and finally came across the border to our side of the border where he found the Bible in his own language, in the Yalunka language. <clears throat> Caliphah said, when he finally opened up the word of God in his language, he said, I don't know about the rest of the Muslim world, but as for me, crazy Caliphah, this is what I have become. This is the reason I was born. He told me that he just loved Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. Let me read it for you. It says, Amosoto ekisiri ala hinanankong denkeleam barakani. Nami fatahi etankana ala kisi nara ekatantonon kamara nai muyo mine ayetematoha. Don't you, don't you hate it when the pastor uses one of these new translations? <laughs> okay, did you guys understand that? No, of course not. I mean, you need it in your language. And so do they. And so does everyone everywhere. Let me, let me try it again. We'll try it in your language. All right. Let's see. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. 
When Caliphah encountered those words in his own language, it changed everything for him. Now, Caliphah has become a church planter and he's planting churches in the, in the communities around his own village. One day, he came to me and he said, you know what, Greg, I can't imagine any way to explain to you how grateful I am for these scriptures. He said, you know, for as long as I live, I don't think I will ever be able to express my gratitude for having the Bible in my own language. He says, sometimes I lay awake at night thinking about it, how I used to try to read a little bit in the French, or I used to try to read some in the English, and I could understand a little bit, but I just couldn't quite get it. And now... When I open this Yalunka Bible, the meaning of the word of God just comes straight into my mind. This man was starving, you know, about to be killed by terrorists, a victim of leprosy, mentally unstable, missing one leg, and God was powerful enough to make him a missionary. If our God can do that. He's powerful enough to use you as well. And your mission is to see churches with translated scripture transforming every language community on earth. And right now, that's what we're doing together. This partnership between Pioneer Bible Translators and Mount Pleasant Christian Church, that's what we do. And out in the commons area today, you'll see, and I want to encourage you to go out of your way, you know, on your way out of here later, you know, go out of your way and go and look and meditate on and pray for the, the, the languages represented in that display. You're going to see that, you know, on the far left of the display are the older projects where we finished the full Bible and some there where we finished the New Testament. And you're going to see, you know, you're going to see uh, stands, little book stands representing the 113 languages where we have a Bible translation project going on right now. And, you know, as you go further and further to the right, you'll see some of them just have a little bit of scripture available. And then some of them, there's these stands and we've got the languages named and we've got a team there, but there's no scripture produced yet. They're just brand new Bible translation projects. And as you go further, you'll see on, off to the side some tables with 200 empty stands. Empty stands representing the 200 Bible translation projects that we're trying now, right now in partnership with your church and with other churches like you. We're trying to start 200 more Bible translation projects. And that represents 10% of the remaining need. And we're a part of a, of a Bible translation alliance of the 11 most dynamic Bible translation organizations in the world. And if all of us do 10%, I got out a calculator, I was like, whoa, we could finish this thing, and I mean it right now. And so that's what we're all working together to do. You know, if you just look at the math, we live in a special moment in church history where, you know, there was a time when we didn't know how long this was gonna take. Like when I first started doing this president job, I was like, I don't know if this is like a hundred year thing to get everybody's scripture. Is this like a thousand year thing? Is this 10,000 years? I don't know. But we've been doing the math 
And it shows that between now and 2035, just the math of what we've been doing, we're gonna start every Bible translation project needed in the whole world. Amen. You know, we're talking about, you know, <laughs> amen, praise God, praise God. You know, just, just over the next 13 years, you know, this is gonna happen. And then by 2050, at least, you know, we'll have at least the New Testament in every language on earth. But this alliance we're a part of, they're like, no, we don't want this to be like 30 years from now. Let's crunch down this time. Let's change everything we can. Let's discover how to collaborate together and really get this job done. We're 99.96% of the population of the earth would have at least the New Testament, not 30 years from now, but 11 years from now in 2033. And that's what we're working at. We're trying to figure out how can we do that. And that's what this church is in, an instrumental part in accomplishing what has never been done before in the history of the world. If Jesus tarries, you know, we're going to explain to our grandkids and kids in the distant future, we're going to be like, kids, it wasn't always like it is today. There was a moment way back in 2022 where people couldn't have the Bible in their language. They're going to say, like, no way, Grandpa, that's sick. Because they're going to have it on their phone in every language on earth. iPhone 29S. They're gonna, it's going to be, in every language on earth is going to be right there in their pocket. And church, this is what you are doing. You're the ones doing this. You know, you're going to be able to say to them, there was that moment, but the Holy Spirit caused the church to arise and make sure that everyone could have the word of God. So I'm challenging some of you, you know, join with us in prayer. Become our prayer supporters. Get on our website. There's little cards out there at the display. You can get on our website and, and you will receive prayer requests and you can support us in prayer. Others of, of us, you know, maybe... You could just quit your job and we could train you. You could go over there and do one of these Bible translation projects or you could be an accountant or you could be a teacher of missionary kids or an evangelist. You know, all of that's possible. You could join with us. Maybe you're saying, no, you know, really that's not, I mean, you don't, you know, maybe you're saying, I'm not that guy. I'm not the person that you want going over to learn some language in some other country, you know, and if that's, a, if that's you, that's Okay. You know, like going over and going to some war-torn tropical malarial zone and learning the language. That's our favorite thing. Let us do that part. You know, we love that stuff. But, you know, you still have something you could do that a, a missionary could never do, a Bible translator could never do. You can fund the translation. And so, the, you know, the way you would do that is increase greatly the generosity of your giving to this church. Uh, in all of this, we want you to know, you guys, we, we could never really truly express our gratitude to this church for the great ways that you have with unbelievable generosity helped us to begin to start all these 200 Bible translation projects, and especially one in a particularly difficult part of the world that I won't even mention from up here, the area of the world it is in. 
but it's nearly impossible to accomplish what we're trying to do together. And you guys have come behind us in such a powerful way, and I thank you for that. You have so much to be proud of in this church, and I am so grateful to you. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful to you for how you work in the church and you partner with Pioneer Bible Translators and Mount Pleasant and so many other churches to accomplish in our day the things that people have only longed for and dreamed. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to overcome and accomplish and cross these language barriers, even though it seems impossible. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.